All right, guys, thanks for hitting download and subscribing to the New Blood Rising podcast. I'm William Rinkin. Appreciate you joining me here. Special episode. Um, this is one that kind of came together within the last week. And what I've got in store for you is a very special guest. It's an interview I was able to set up with um, a guy I've gotten to know over the last few years that is really a big, big talent on the independent wrestling scene. And it's been fun to watch him make progress in his goals and his career to eventually get to the highest level. And he's getting pretty close because you've seen him on Wednesday nights on, on the WWE Network. He has been working with NXT, uh, making appearances. That is John Schuyler. You've seen him teaming up uh, with Corey Hollis a lot of times on uh, for tag team action. And it's really a good time. It's a good conversation that he and I are going to have. We're going to go through pretty much his whole career. We're going to hear some interesting stories about he was actually a druid during Undertaker and Kane's um, feud with the Wyatts. John was actually got to play one of the... Um, one of the druids that turned on the undertaker and got to get tossed out so we're going to get into that we're going to talk about wrestling overseas we're going to talk about like the nitty-gritty how you design a character things of that nature in professional wrestling so we'll be um, we'll be diving into that real soon uh, in fact that's coming up next so thank you guys for hitting download on this and here's john schuyler New Blood Rising podcast coming back at you here, and uh, I got a very special guest uh, for today's episode. Um, this I, I'm so glad that this uh, came together. This man is a professional wrestler, he is, um, and I can honestly say, like the, the the coolest thing is, you can see him weekly as a as a, uh, a star appearing on um, NXT on the WWE Network at eight o'clock Eastern Time. This is John Schuyler. How are you, sir? I'm doing good, sir. It's been a while since we've spoken. So I know. It's good to talk to you again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I was trying to, I was going back. I think it goes back about four years. I think it was um, the Goose Creek show, right? I think it was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was the, it was the, the benefit for the coach. Barbar- I think Barbarian worked that show and Lodi as well, I think. Yeah, I believe me and Lodi actually teamed up against Barbarian and the coach. Yeah, which I thought was awesome. I was like, you and uh, you and the Barbarian, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Kind of crazy how uh, life comes full circle, especially with wrestling. So yeah, that's always the, and that's always it, man. That's what I always um, I when I actually I when I stood back there and I got to like meet him, I was like, I remember watching like I remember there was a tape. It was like WWF Superstars was what it was, and I had like it just was it was your one of your assortment tapes, like five random matches from random shows and. And I was like, that, and powers of pain, like as a kid, like they're kind of terrifying when you would see those guys together. So I can only imagine, though, for, for you now with where you're at, like you're seeing a ton of these guys that you grew up watching. Yeah, yeah it's kind of cool. And it's, uh, I mean, it's just really crazy, honestly. And you said that the powers of pain are like, were scary back then. They're still huge now. So, uh, I, you know, they're still scary now. So, but, uh, no, it's crazy, you know, I, I've not only gotten the chance to share lockers with these guys, uh, and, and not just them, a handful of others, you know, now, so, but, uh, and not only share the locker, but build that rapport with them, it's kind of crazy, like, there's still that 
inner child that kind of creeps up in me from time to time. It's <laughs> like, uh, oh my God, you know, I can't believe you're hanging out with so-and-so, you know, it's just, uh, it's pretty surreal. So like when you, um, when, when that is attached to your name, appearing on NXT, that, has that, has that sunk in yet fully? Um, uh, yes and no. I mean, it, it's, it's kind of crazy. Um, at times I don't know if I'm necessarily deserving of that stigma yet, uh, <laughs> or that name, uh, simply because there's been guys that have done a really, you know, I mean, a hell of a job laying the groundwork of what NXT is, uh, far beyond, you know, anything I've done. Um, so, uh, you know, it's, uh, it, it is cool in one sense to have that attached to your name, but, uh, you know, one of these days, hopefully it is a full-time gig and hopefully, right. you know, that, that not only does it, it's not just a nickname, hopefully it'll carry some weight to where, you know, I'm somebody that is looked at as somebody that's, you know, helped that brand grow. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And so like thinking about that, like WrestleMania, like this pat this WrestleMania, I was obviously, I mean, it was the biggest of all time. There's no, there's no ifs, ands, or buts, like in terms of numbers, it was the biggest. And now like with nowadays with, with WrestleMania, like it's not just one show. Like it is like the Mecca of shows that weekend. There's a ton of shows going on all over the place, all throughout Dallas. What was, what was your week like this year? Um, well, we flew in on like a, I can't remember if we flew in that Wednesday or Thursday, but, uh, maybe it was that Thursday. We flew in really late. Uh, I believe we had NXT tapings on Friday and maybe Saturday. Uh, I'm sorry. Takeover was Friday. And then we had our tapings on Saturday, um, at access. And then, um, uh, we actually had matches at access on Sunday before WrestleMania too. Uh, and then from access on Sunday, we kind of all jetted over to the stadium, Arlington, uh, where, where WrestleMania was. So, uh, it was very, very busy. And also in the, in the meantime, too, me and Corey had appearances to make it like WrestleCon and stuff like that. So that was kind of going on too, which if you've never been to WrestleCon before, I mean, it's literally thousands and thousands of fans from all over the world that come in mm-hmm. WrestleMania weekend to uh to go to wrestlecon too so uh it was a very busy week but it was something that we were glad to be a part of and you know that is that is a humbling experience when you walk into that stadium and you know it's wrestlemania and you're like you know how in the world did i get here (laughs) so uh so it's it's pretty nuts what's it like right because i remember going i went to wrestlemania 27 the one in atlanta and like I've just like with movies, like when it comes to movies, like when the movie ends, like I like to sit there, I like to kind of let everything kind of sink in the credits, the music, and then usually depending on the movie, you're gonna get some BS at the end anyway that you're gonna have to stay for anyway. But when I stayed for the end of Mania, just almost sitting there with nobody left, just kind of in the presence of that was incredible. Now to kind of go from the reverse, like you were there, like and it's just like the calm before the storm really to mm-hmm. and to be in that place like it was like the place built for wrestlemania you know i know yeah. it was i mean i i know it was really it was ultimately built for the super bowl and everything i mean that was the first primary thing that they were thinking about but it felt like it was just like destined to have wrestlemania what was it like to just take that that arena or that place in you know man i could think of a thousand words and i don't know if any of them would actually put it in uh to perspective for anybody 
that wasn't able to experience it. But literally when you walk out that tunnel and like you look up and you see how massive that building is, I mean, it really takes your breath away. It's, uh, it's just incredible. I mean, I I can't even really put it into words now and describe it. I mean, uh, you know, you had the giant screens and you had the hell in a cell just kind of looming up there and past all that. I mean, you look around and you're like, wow, there's going to be a hundred thousand wrestling fans in this building. Uh, in just a couple of minutes. So, I mean, it was, uh, yeah, it was, man, it's just, it gives you chills really just thinking about it. Were you backstage for the actual show or, or were you, uh, in special seats or something like that? Uh, we had some special seats that we got kind of hooked up on the side there. And, nice. uh, it was, uh, it was nice, man. I mean, it was funny because I've been, this was my third WrestleMania that I've actually attended cause I was at 24 as a fan, actually right after I started training to wrestle, I was at uh, 24 in Orlando at the Citrus Bowl. Okay. And then I also went to 27 like you in Atlanta yeah. uh, as a fan. And, uh, you know, it was cool because now, uh, you know, here I am. And, I, like, I spent so much money, I remember, for WrestleMania 24 and 27 to get those seats. <laughs> and they were way up in the nosebleeds. And now I don't have to pay anything. And it's like, uh, these are the best seats ever. <laughs> yeah, man. So, I mean... Uh, so you you set up the segue. It was brilliant. So kind of take some people back here because um, I've talked about it with you where you, you how you came up and stuff. Where what year do you start uh, start training? When does it start? Uh, I started in April of two thousand and eight. Uh, uh, I started just going to some independent shows. Well, I'd, I'd been going to independent shows for close to a year probably at that point. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was just, uh, you know, I didn't really know anything about independent wrestling as crazy as it sounds. Cause I'm somebody that prides myself on being kind of a wrestling historian. Uh, you know, I, I would read about into various independents in the magazine. Sure. And stuff like that. But, uh, I really got hooked on independent wrestling and, uh, started going to shows and then started helping out, started helping out, put out, you know, like chairs and put up the ring and, you know, anything I could do. And then eventually one day I was just, uh, you know, everything had been set up and somebody was like, Hey, you want to come get in the ring kid and see what it's like? And I was like, yeah, sure. So, uh, got in there and, you know, got to bump around a little bit. I mean, I just picked everything up so naturally. Uh, and I'm not trying to sound braggadocious. I mean, but it's just something that I've always wanted to do. So, I, I just really took a liking to everything about it. And then uh, once I, I would keep coming back and doing the things before the shows where I would kind of get in the ring if there was time and uh, and bump around and stuff like that. But, you know, there's only so much time before a show to actually have ring time because doors open and people start filing in or, you know, guys need the ring for this, that or the other. So. Uh, I decided I really wanted to go to like a reputable school and, and I made a promise to myself too, from day one, I wanted to do everything the right way. And I wanted to go to a school. I wanted to go somewhere where somebody wouldn't take advantage of me or wouldn't take my money. And, uh, you know, I wanted to make sure I did everything, you know, as by the book as you can with pro wrestling, but I wanted to make sure I did everything the right way. So that's why I went to Bob Keller's school in Gaston, South Carolina. And I trained there for about four or five months and, uh, you know, I'm not saying it was the hardest training in the world. Like, I, I mean, like I said, you know, you couldn't pull me out of a wrestling ring just cause I wanted to be, I wanted to be there and I wanted to learn and I wanted to, you know, have as much ring time as I possibly could. So, uh, I, I wouldn't say it was necessarily hard. I mean, there were aspects of it that were difficult to pick up and, 
sure like you know like anything else or training to do uh but uh yeah after about three or four months uh you know i had my first match and that was in july 2008 july 2008 so man like that's only eight years ago like that's really like in the grand scheme of things man that's uh that's a hell of a run to get to where now you're sitting at like you're at wrestlemania and not just a fan's capacity here by any means so when you Man, I, I'll never forget the first time I took a bump, man. I was like, God dang. Like, I, I had never anticipated anything like that before. What is, when you took that first flat back bump, what was, what went through your body there? Uh, my ass. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, uh, no, it, yeah, that first one, uh, it, uh, I mean, it, it literally sends a jolt down your whole body, uh, you know, like you can feel it, like you're, you know, this Dusty Rhodes used to say, you can feel your back, uh, your back crack, your liver quiver. I mean, you really can't. Uh, like it sends literally jolts down your spine that first bump, but then eventually, like anything, your body becomes acclimated to it. You you learn uh, how to absorb the blows and stuff like that, and then absorb the bumps, and it comes a little bit easier, and a little bit easier, and a little bit easier, and then. Uh, eventually now, you know, you get some miles uh, on your body, uh, you know, and now it's like you start counting the bumps. You're like, Oh my gosh. Uh, all right. I think I took like two or three tonight. All right. You know, and then, <laughs> right. And then you slow, it's like a, it's like a cyclical thing. You know, you start off by taking a couple and they hurt and then you take a bunch and you're fine. And now you're starting to slowly like start counting them again. You're like, all right, I gotta pull back the reins a little bit. So when you talk about paying dues, like every when you uh, every wrestler has a different story about paying dues, and it depends sometimes on the era, the uh, the geographical location. It just depends on a lot of things. What is paying dues for you like when you're starting off in North Carolina at Bob Keller School? Um, well, to correct you, real fast, it was mm-hmm. South Carolina. It was South uh, Carolina. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's okay. Um, but uh, no, I think there's a big misconception about paying dues. I think. A lot of guys think that paying dues is, well, we got to get this kid in the ring and see how many chops he can take, or, you know, let's beat the crap out of him and see if he comes back. And, you know, I don't really, uh, I don't really see it that way because I think, I mean, you can tell whether somebody has the drive and the passion for it or not. But yeah, I mean, I, I at times I think people would use paying dues as an excuse to just bully people, yeah. and that's not something that I'm all about. But like. To me, paying dues is, you know, n- not having any money and figuring out a way to get to the show, uh, or losing money on a trip just to get a little bit of notoriety. Um, you know, uh, there's there's countless times that uh, you know I was working a college job, trying to pay my way through college, and also go to class, and then on the weekends I would go and. No, I wasn't even really actually having matches yet. I was just going and driving the ring truck and helping put up the ring and helping put out chairs and then tearing down the ring and then putting everything up and then getting back in the car, driving back home and then getting up with like two hours of sleep to go back to work or back to class. And then it was like a whole process, you know, all over again. Uh, I mean, and I mean, making drives too to to West Virginia. And then, you know, some nights me and uh, Stephen Walters, who's Dash Wilder now, he we would go, literally, there was a trip we did from Birmingham, Alabama, where we drove on a Friday night from Birmingham to Dover, Delaware for a Saturday show just Damn. to just to make the shot. We just wanted yeah. to be on, you know, on the show. So, 
you can bet we didn't, you know, obviously weren't millionaires or making hundreds of thousands of dollars. We just did it because we truly loved it. And uh, I think, you know, you don't ever say like, oh, I'm, it's part of paying my dues, brother. But like, <laughs> I think you look back at it, you know, hindsight and you're like, man, you know, if I can do that and get where I am now, then Joe Schmo, who's been in the business two years, shouldn't really be bitching about a payoff. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, totally. I, yeah, yeah. yeah, I think it's more being thankful than anything. Uh, you know, you realize, you know, I don't know. I, I, I'm just a big, big uh, you know, I guess, I don't know if supporter is the right word or what, but I'm a big, maybe advocate of, you know, really working hard and earning everything that you get and then appreciating it and, you know, looking back at, you know, you know, I can't believe I did all that and got to where I am. And then maybe, you know, look at it and go, man, you know, I really did pay some dues. Yeah. I, what you talked about, so I, I witnessed it once firsthand and I was like, this cannot like, I mean, what is this? Why, why is this guy getting chopped to death? Just because he, he was clearly like, I think at the time I was 21 and I know he must've been a couple years younger still than me. I mean, he looked, I mean, he was, I mean, he was literally a baby face. There was no doubt about it. And man, I just saw, and I, he was, he was one of those guys who I could tell idolized like the Hardy boys. Like he wanted, that's what he wanted to do was be Jeff Hardy. And he, I mean, he had nothing, he had no meat on his body whatsoever. And he just got the crap chopped out of him. And I was, and I kept thinking, why, like, what is the lesson here? Like, what is it? Is it just like to be a tough guy? Like I'm proving I'm a tough guy because I'm going to let you just, really beat the hell out of me for no reason yeah. like, i i've never understood that i know and, 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 and the green and the grand scheme of things you know what are you teaching there um you know there's no art to slapping somebody or kicking somebody as hard as you can right i mean the the art of what we do is you know to make it look legitimate when it's you know you know sometimes and sometimes it is legitimate but uh you know you, you want to make it as look, look as good as possible without killing the guy so yeah. um i don't know and then and you know don't get me wrong you know there's plenty of times when it's called for if somebody's got a bad attitude or somebody walks in thinking they're god's gift to wrestling and uh you know sometimes it's it's it's, it's just but right. you know, i don't like people using the the whole term paying dues as an excuse to just beat people up and bully them yeah no that's i think you hit the nail on the head um, when you were talking about those shots, like the shots you were making to, to Delaware, and I know there, and I know you've made so many other trips when you're first starting out there in 08 and what was like the moment though, we were like, cause I, I know obviously in the beginning it can be a struggle cause you're like, is it working? It, it, am I doing this right? Am I doing that? You're, you're questioning everything you're doing cause you want to get the right recipe of what you're doing. But when was, did you remember like the moment where it clicked? You're like, I got him. I got him that night. I think that I, you start, you figure you're on the right path at that point. Um, I mean, yeah, it's funny. Sometimes I still don't think I'm on the right path, but, uh, you know, I, uh, uh, I don't even know if it was one moment, maybe like a series of a couple months where, I started noticing that my reactions were gradually getting better and better and better. And then I started going back and thinking, okay, now this worked and that didn't, or why didn't this work? And and why did this work? And, uh, you really sit there and you start analyzing your performance, but then, you know, it was a string of shows there for about a couple months where I was like, Oh, okay. Uh, you know, I'm onto something here. And, uh, I mean, quite honestly, like I was so short sighted when I first started wrestling, 
I was just happy to be in a ring. So like me, to me, living my dream was having one match and then getting to have that second match and then a third one and a fourth one. No. You know, I was living my dream anytime I got in the ring. And I remember thinking, you know, 2008 was a different business, and I'm not trying to get sidetracked here, but no. uh, 2008, WWE was only looking at hiring guys that were, you know, 6'4", 220-something pounds. And, uh, you know, that look like, you know, fitness models or, you know, bodybuilders and stuff like that. So when I was breaking in, I, I kind of figured to myself, well, I mean, that's a far, it's a long shot to, to get there. But, you know, I know I can get there eventually. Uh, and now the business has completely changed. So as opposed to where maybe in 2008, the word independence was a dirty word. Now it's kind of being embraced. And, uh, you know, that's a cool thing. But uh, I don't even remember what the question was no 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 you, you pretty like yeah. I, you said it was a couple of months there because i was like if, if there was ever a moment if it was a moment a particular match or a, a moment within a match you're like bam that's it like uh it all kind of in a way you feel like it's coming together now it's starting everything's starting to kind of click whether it's character whether it's ring work things of that nature spots and stuff I, like that i definitely think with the character aspect i think i started getting it probably around the feud or around the time i had the feud with bob keller because we did the whole teacher versus student thing and he was getting ready to call it quits and uh retire and all that kind of stuff and he said he wanted his last match to be with me and then that's where i really kind of embraced the art of storytelling uh where the matches almost became secondary it was like all right what's the story we're trying to tell here what how are we going to further the story and uh to me that's where i really started getting creative in my head to where you know the moves almost became secondary and it's almost like okay uh, you know, how can we play with people's emotions here? Or what little facial expression can we do here that, that'll really piss people off or yeah. make them cry or, or make them, you know, happy or, or whatever the case may be. So I think that feud with Bob really opened up my, uh, my, uh, creative ways of, of thinking and, and wrestling. And, you know, I think it's something that's kind of stuck with me ever since to where now, uh, I, I try to go for the the emotions as opposed to necessarily just going out there and doing moves. Because yeah. anybody, nobody, the average Joe walking down the street can't relate to getting a, taking a snap bear, you know. But he can relate to some punk, you know, coming in and and, and bad mouthing him and bad mouthing his family and maybe talking bad about his daughter. You know, those are those are buttons that people can <laughs> you can push and people can relate to uh, and make people feel a certain way. Like, okay, well, he didn't have to say that. But, you know, the average Joe can't relate to taking a snapmare or a backslide or a hip toss or anything like that. I remember that match. That was actually, that was, um, God, I remember that because I, was it hair versus career? It was like, it, it, that was like the double step on the match? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, all right. Because what I remember, because the thing about a lot of, a lot of independent shows that I've noticed like over the years is that you have guys that won't commit fully to like mostly to playing heel. Like everybody, everybody wants a pops. They, 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 you know, they, they live to get the pops from the crowd and more times than not, it's not because they want to fully commit to being a heel. They want, they, they aim to be a tweener, which it never seems. If you plan that out, it does not seem to work. It has to be organic. They have to feel that in order for it to work. But that um, getting back to that match, what was neat was like, you were all in heel. Like there was no, um, there was no playing to <laughs> for like trying to play for a babyface pop at all during that, which was great because the thing and and I've 
I always liked it with your psychology in particular and a lot of those that that run of matches in 2012 that I watched a lot was that um you had a, it was it's so beautifully simple but like it can be overlooked by somebody trying to overcomplicate their psychology and everything is just just wait just don't get in the ring right, right away in fact yeah. get in and get right back out stuff like that like the way cuz it's as simple as it is man that can get a crowd that can get some heat that can get heat instantly and it yeah. was great. Like that's what I always really enjoyed. Like um, especially with that, um, especially with your match with Bob. And then man, later that year, that bust ass double shot you did with uh, with Josh, where you guys had those um, I, that back to back. I think it was a, it was a, jeez, it was a ladder match. Then there was, I think it was just a straight up match, right? Yeah, we did a we did a title unification match, and uh, that's what led to the rematch, which was uh, which which was a ladder match. Yeah. yeah. That thing, I mean, just the, again, the psychology and that just with, um, with Josh being just, a, I mean, uh, as baby face as he can be, and then you fully committing is what really made that thing work. And what's funny, because I remember talking to you just a couple of weeks ago, you talked, like, when you returned, you just, you just popped back up in OSCW down in Charleston, right? You returned after, yeah. and you had a mask on, and you were presumably doing a very heel thing and attacking, um, who, man, who was it again? Who were you attacking? Uh, I was I was attacking BJ Hancock. Right, uh, right, yeah. Because we did a we did a deal where uh, you know it was his last chance that I, I think it was his last chance to win the OSCW championship, and then if I lost, I was fired, uh, and I ended up losing. I got fired. I left and did some overseas things, and then took some time off from OSCW and came back under under a mask. And I'll let you take it from here. Yeah, <laughs> what I think is so cool what you told me was like. As soon as you pulled the mask off, the the roof just exploded, and that's what totally like. And then when you walk backstage, you know, it, and it's and it's it's funny because it's just like it's just like the story Austin tells that Brian Pillman's like, "You're a baby, man. You're a baby yeah. face," and that's that's yeah. basically what happened yeah, with you, correct? Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's pretty much what happened. I mean, I came to the back and uh, I was kind of like, "Ooh." Uh, well, we got a re- we got a reaction. But I don't know if that was what we were necessarily looking for. So, uh, and I remember John Malice, I think, kind of looked at me and said the same thing. He was like, "Brother, I think you just turned babyface." <laughs> I was like, "Ah, oh, man, uh, you know, I don't know." So we set up one more match with me and BJ, and uh, I think it, it was a street fighter, something like that. And we did the double turn there, where he aligned him. And oh, the thing was, it all revolved around Bob, because uh, Bob was my manager and. You know, we had been feuding with BJ, and then uh, it was actually Bob that kind of was the catalyst for the turn. Because Bob, uh, the story was, you know, I kind of, I was kind of getting too big for my britches. You know, I wasn't really changing anything I was doing. I was still the same, you know, cutthroat, rough around the edges guy. And uh, you know, Bob turned his back on me and aligned himself with BJ, which made BJ a heel and uh, and me a babyface. So. That it's it's a uh, it was I think it was pretty masterfully done to where nobody's really changing anything. I'm not coming out and going you know rah rah cheer for me. It's a thing of you know oh I'm still the same guy you can't trust that'll drop you you know drop you in a heartbeat. But you know now it's just the circumstances are different. You know now you know now I'm fighting against the odds. Yeah. So. And that, and because that crowd, I mean, for years has booed you. Like that is because that's what they're supposed. That's your job. You are a heel, and so that's what makes it so cool. That um, just you know, again, and a lot of times it's just that time away. That's what's so cool. Yeah. It's like 
Yeah, yeah, and this, I'm glad you brought that up because that's you know something I preach to a lot of people now. Sometimes it's good to take time off and let people miss you, uh, and then when you come back, you're almost just as over, if not more over, than you were when you left. And uh, you know, I think the time off helped me, and it helped me come back fresh. It helped me uh, by that point. You know, they got new faces now that are. Uh, I mean, when I say new faces, new new, new people in the locker room, uh, fresh talent, and. Uh, you know, quite frankly, you know, I was a heel six, five or six years there. So now I kind of worked with every baby face there was to work with. So it was almost time uh, looking back at it. And now, uh, now, uh, you know, I'm back as a baby face. And, uh, uh, and now I got a bunch of fresh new matchups that, uh, that we can, that we can go down a different road with. Yeah. And um, yeah. I'm really looking forward to it, actually. Man, talk about working with Bob, like what that kind of did to kind of like, because I mean, he, I mean, he is a badass when it comes to psychology, like just because I, and, and the thing is, like, I always, there was always like, you could see the confidence coming off of him as a performer when he would come out just to talk. Like I only saw him like, you know, work, you know, a couple of matches with you, but the rest of the time it was him maybe in the commissioner role and some type of administrative role, but he'd come out and get on the stick and the thing always was like I always admired like that. He just he he was always all in with everything he said, and I know that must have been an influence on you and building your psychology as a character, right? Yeah, um, Bob has a certain gift of uh, gift of gab, and he would tell you that. I mean, he when it comes to being technically sound, you know, he's not going to be the best wrestler in the world, and uh, but he does know how to make uh, make. Uh, make something make sense or, you know, add a little bit of uh, thought behind something to make, you know, you know, nowadays people say that less is more. And I don't think that's completely accurate. I think you get more out of less. And, uh, you know, that's something that uh, Bob does every time he goes out there. Uh, you know, he, he, okay. Why, why try to be a good technical wrestler when he knows he's not. So now he's going to accentuate his positives, his, his strengths and his positives are, you know, on the microphone or, or elsewhere. So he's going to hide the fact sometimes that uh, maybe he's not the best technical wrestler ever in the world, but he's going to, he's going to, you know, play again, play with your emotions. He's going to do it a different way. And it's, he's going to get under your skin, either on the microphone or, you know, with a facial expression or some other dastardly deed. Yeah. Where so and it's picking up kind of off of that is like it was it around was it two thousand eight like when did you really I, I guess kind of formulate your character now like when did that happen? Man, I'll be honest with you, I'm still making tweaks to my uh, to my character oh. uh, even today. Um, you know, I, uh, I started uh, when I first started. I kind of wanted to be my my in my vision of John Schuyler was to be like a Michael Hayes. 80s freebird type type character and uh I, I came out for a while wearing like van halen cut off shirts and sunglasses and i had my hair all sorts of different ways and would come out strutting and having a good time and uh it got to a point where i started to slowly realize you know that's just not me uh and like anything you know it was time to evolve and change uh and i started thinking about what I could do to be taken a little more seriously and uh, started looking at movies and things like that. You know, I'd seen Fight Club before and the character of Tyler Durden really kind of struck a chord with me. And then I started watching more tapes of like Brian Pillman 
and uh, even guys like Matt Bourne, Maniac Matt Bourne, yeah. and uh, a couple others. And uh, I was like, man, you know, these guys uh, have a screw loose and stuff, and I think it's kind of cool. Uh, and, you know, the way, you know, Tyler Durden and Fight Club would, uh, you know, they had Project Mayhem. He was going to literally destroy the whole town, but he felt like it was for the betterment of people. And, uh, you know, I was like, man, there's something there with that. And uh, so that's kind of what became the catalyst of when I kind of stopped being the new sensation, John Schuyler, and started becoming the Southern Savior uh, was, you know, it, it, those type people uh, started, as crazy as this is going to sound, I mean, I started watching a lot of Charles Manson interviews and thinking about, like, you know, what's the thought process? How do these people think? And, uh, you know, it's kind of crazy to think about, but that's what you kind of have to look at nowadays because everything's been done in wrestling. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, so, yeah. But even nowadays, I still make tweaks to my character, uh, you know, because <laughs> you never know what you're going to be asked to do. I mean, and I think the best example of that is somebody like William Regal. William Regal has literally done every single thing known to man in professional wrestling. <laughs> he has been a great technical wrestler. He's been a hilarious uh, commissioner. He's, you know, kissed Vince McMahon's ass on live TV. It's, he's been a man's man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's done literally everything. He's been dastardly. Uh, he's, you know, been serious. He did the stuff with Eugene that was comedy. You know, I mean, you know, he's across the board. He's literally done everything and look at how much longevity he's had not just with wwe but as far as his career goes because he's been able to adapt and do just about anything uh he's been put in every precarious position or uh you know thing imaginable yeah so as like so with adapting like you know as as you're always tweaking like with all the different all the different places you've been already in eight years and everything like how does like how does somebody market themselves really as an independent wrestler, how do you, cause man, it's a hustle. It sounds like it just like, even with guys who just get released from WWE, it starts becoming a hustle where it's like, it's not just putting your Gmail or, or a booking thing on a, on a Twitter or Facebook. Like there's a lot more involved with it. Like how do you market yourself? Well, you have to look at yourself as an act. We're all an act and we're all looking to be casted for a role. Um, uh, that's essentially what, what it is. And, uh, you know, how do you market yourself? Well, you have to think about uh, everything across the board as far as, you know, I think for one, I think anybody that doesn't have social media is, is stupid uh, because it's changed the world, it changed, it's changed society and the way we live our lives uh, with smartphones being at the, you know, right at our fingertips and all everything, any access you, you need to anything is right at, a, at the touch of a button. So uh, you first... <laughs> I don't really know how to explain it. I mean, it's just one of those things where like you have to take care of your brand. You know, like I said, we're all, we're all, um, you know, you know, uh, act being, uh, you know, casted for a role, but we're also a brand. John Schuyler is a brand. Uh, you know, uh, you, okay. You talk about the guys that just got released, you know, Damian Sandow, he's, he's a brand. Uh, you know, you got to look out for, the best interest of you and your character and uh you know it's just one of those things man the only person that's gonna look out for you is you right so uh and it's okay to help others too but you know put yourself first and foremost uh you know put put yourself first yeah so like do you like um 
and protect or creating your brand and then reinforcing it like would you would you make videos and send them out like kind of like tapes back in the day things of that nature to get to to various promotions to to get gigs or how how did that get rolling for you yeah um well for, for when i it's crazy again because when i first started in 2008 it was a different like i said it was a different world and uh you know the only real social media that was out at that time was myspace and <laughs> facebook was just getting started uh, it might have still even been facebook might have been a thing that was still just limited to college campuses i'm not sure but uh yeah so when i first started yeah you would you would make video packages and resumes and have eight by tens made to send out with the DVD and, you know, places that you had worked and people that had trained you, all that kind of stuff. I remember actually making a couple of packages my first couple of years. And, uh, you know, even recently, you know, I'll still have DVDs here and there that have my name on them and are labeled with the match that is on the DVD. And I'll still like just to have it with me in case somebody's like, well, do you have anything you can give me right now? You know, and I'll be like, yeah, sure, here's a DVD. But, uh, you know, nowadays, again, going back to what I was saying earlier about social media, I mean, you know, anybody can, you can ask me now, you know, well, uh, you know, okay, in a couple of weeks, I'm wrestling Zack Sabre Jr. You can say, all right, well, tell me about the Zack Sabre Jr. guy. What is he all about? <laughs> I heard he's from England. And I can say, well, look him up on YouTube. He's right. got 10,000 <laughs> matches up there right now. You know, I mean, literally anything is at your fingertips. So, uh, you know, anytime somebody's like, hey, you know, you want to, can you send me a link to some of your stuff? Well, yeah, sure. What do you want? <laughs> so, I mean, it's that easy nowadays. It's kind of crazy and mind boggling to think about. That's what's cool though. with YouTube. That I think that like really elevated independent wrestling because now it wasn't as obscure to like try and find you know, footage of what somebody does, like, oh, have you heard of this guy? Like, you know, he works out of this area or whatnot. It's like, no, nah, I haven't heard of him. Now it can be like exactly like you said. You can go look him up on YouTube and be like, oh, man, yeah, yeah, right on, and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So that's that's what's really cool, like you were saying. Like, social media changed. I mean, it changed everything, not just <laughs> professional wrestling, that's for sure, but it certainly did. Um, man, talk I, – I, Love to talk like in, with independent wrestling. Like, crowds can really vary this, and not in, in size. It can be twenty people. It can be two hundred. It can be two thousand. It just depends, man. When you've been going across, like you know, the southeast and beyond throughout the throughout the country, man, where has it been the hottest? Like where have been the hottest crowds you found? Uh, no, that's another good question. You know, I think it's something, and I might just uh, might be a little bit biased, but there's something about the Mid-Atlantic region with the Carolinas and uh, you know Georgia, and I, I would even consider Tennessee a part of this too. Uh, there's just something in some of those little podunk towns where people just still believe, and uh, it makes it so easy. It's almost unfair to to manipulate people and. You know, those those are always going to be fun towns. Um, but then you look at the opposite end of the spectrum when you have a town like Chicago or you have uh, Brooklyn, New York. It's fans that think they know everything. So sometimes, <laughs> sometimes they can be the easiest crowds to con because oh, you think you know everything, and then when just when you you lead them up to where you take them right, they're like, "Holy cow! What did we just see?" So, I mean, like, you might be, you might know more or surf the internet more than somebody 
you know, in a different geographical location, but it doesn't make you any smarter to what I'm doing. Right. You know, it's you still bought a ticket to see me, so I'm going to make sure that I do everything in my power to make sure you don't dictate what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh Man, like, what is it, like, this, because this, I think this ties in well, because you talk, like, um, even us guys who, you know, we decided, you know, oh, we can do a podcast, so that must mean we know something about wrestling and everything, but, uh, like, one thing that everyone speculates over, and not a lot of people really can, like, honestly, like, on the outside have a good answer for, like, man, talk me through how how you plan out a match, like, for real, like, I've, I've you know, I've done some, I've I've been in some matches, but, like, on your type of level, man, like, how do you talk me through planning out a match with somebody? You come in, you know, you're doing, um, you're doing this singles match or whatnot with somebody. How do you plan that out for real? Uh, I mean, if it's something, it, it all depends on variance because sometimes, uh, you might have a program you've been doing with somebody for six, seven months. So you've probably worked together a couple times and maybe it's, it also depends if it's a one-off match. Is it just one time you're going to be wrestling this person? Or is it going to be something that you're going to be carrying on into the future for a couple months? Because if it's just a one-off match, you're not going to put it together the same way you would with something that has a little meat and potatoes behind it as far as the story goes. So if there's a story behind it, you're not going to give them everything that first time. You're going to... Uh, you're going to leave them wanting more for the next time, especially if you know you're going to be working with this person for the next six months. You can't do everything in the first night. Um, now, there have been plenty of times when I've gone into what is considered one of a, one of, for argument's sake of promotion uh, in North Carolina uh, named PWX. There's been a handful of times I've gone into a town for them thinking, okay, this is just going to be like one of our regular crowds. They shouldn't be invested in everything from the get-go. They'll know who everybody is and all that kind of stuff, and they don't, and they're hard, and you cannot, like, for whatever reason, the crowd is just not with it. So it's up to you as a performer to to be able to watch those other matches, even if you have an idea in your head and go on, okay, this is not the kind of crowd I expected. Okay, so we're going to have to change this, this, and this. And sometimes that doesn't happen until you get in the ring. Uh, you know, it's like the classic... Uh, 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 it's the classic ice cream reference where they're like, well, you know, you're giving them chocolate ice cream, but they might want strawberry, you know, and that's what it is. I mean, you, uh, you get out there and you might have A to Z called, uh, but that's not what they want. So I think the true workers of the business are the ones that can go out there and, like I said earlier, adapt. Uh, okay. Uh, with this, let's let's go somewhere else. Let's find another way, uh, or at least take them off the off the the map a little bit here, off the off the trail, and then bring them back over to it a little bit later when they're ready. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, um, there are so many. Like I, I was listening to Bret Hart's podcast this week, and he was talking about like one thing he he will say a lot, and whether it's in his book or on a podcast, an interview, it's you never see him calling spots. You don't right. see it because it's it's pretty much all – you know all the high spots in the back and, like, it's all been talked about. And you go out and you do it and everything. And then I've heard some people that they need to know every single move. Like, I think it's – a lot of times it's attributed, like, the classic example is Macho Man. Like, Macho Man had to go through every single move, know exactly what was going to happen beforehand. 
the whole way through, and that was just the way he operated. Of course, he could improvise when he needed to, no problem. It wasn't to say that he had to go exactly by the book, but... Man, do you like, like, I've heard some guys, you're like, yeah, man, I just like the, give me the ending, give me the beginning, and we'll call it in the ring the rest of the way through. Is that kind of like how you like to work it? Uh, you know, sometimes, uh, yes and no. Uh, I like, uh, again, I, I like focusing on the emotions and the storytelling and all that and the character aspects of everything. And I feel like if I'm trying to memorize a thousand things, A through Z, uh, I'm going to be neglecting to... To, to, to work the crowd or, uh, you know, be a character because I'm going to be out there playing a memory game. And uh, I don't care who you are, your brain can't, you know, can't, can't, can't do that. Uh, it can't do both things. Uh, so, you know, I like to know, especially if I'm working with somebody for the first time, you know, um, the things that they like to do. And I like to know how to take them because I want them, if I'm going to, be giving my body to somebody and they're going to be doing something uh, that might be even the slightest, a little bit complicated. I want to do the best I can and I want to do them justice and I want it to look good uh, or I don't want to do it. And uh, so that's why, you know, sometimes I do like to know a couple of things here and there, like, okay, you do this. Well, how, what's the best way for me to take that to make it look good? And uh, if they can't give me a good answer or I don't feel comfortable doing it, or if it's something that I don't feel like I can make look good, we won't do it. And, uh, you know, it's nothing against the performer. It's just I'm all about the match. You know, I like the match to be good. And I like the show overall, too, to be good. So, um, so yeah, I don't know if that answers your question. No, that's not, it. You just made also a great point. And it ties back to, you know, the the quote-unquote paying dues where you just chop the shit out of somebody for a while so that they, they can learn to be tough or whatnot. Like, the way it ties back in is I, I've I've often I've heard when I um, when I was seeing guys work out matches or whatnot I could see the hesitancy like somebody either doesn't understand the spot or doesn't know how to take it and they don't have the confidence to say I they say to say no basically you know in in a nice in a nice way say no like I, I don't feel comfortable doing that or something like that like and they'll go out there and you know they. They're not knowing exactly what they're doing, and it it really can be it can be either disastrous or it just look like crap in front of a crowd or whatnot. And I and that's I've always heard that's a really important thing is to be able to have the confidence to be able to you know stand up and say like, I don't think so, man. I don't think uh, that'll work or something like that. You know? Yeah, and uh, the, uh, the complete opposite end of the spectrum. There have been guys that have been able to lie their ass off to me, <laughs> and and you know in one case in particular i won't say the gentleman's name but uh he was said he wanted to finish me off at the shooting star press from the top and i was like okay like you've done that you've done that before and he goes oh yeah yeah i've done it and i'm like all right sweet and he did it to I, it was picture perfect like it was beautifully done and it looked graceful and you know you couldn't ask for a better shooting star press and then when he got to the back he was like all right i'm gonna admit like that was the first time i've ever done it during the match and <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, me fooled. So thanks for telling me that now and not, you know, when you landed on my my head or anything. Yeah. Uh, Damn. Uh, man, tell me how Resistance Pro came around. Uh, well, again, it goes back to, to Stephen Walters, who I actually uh, I owe a lot of my career to uh, to Walters, again, uh, who's now Dash Wilder in NXT. Uh, you know, because me and him were traveling together quite a, quite a while, and uh, or we were traveling for quite a while together or whatever, and uh, 
you know, he was able to get in with Resistance Pro for their first show uh, um, back whenever that was. Jeez, that was probably 2010, maybe. Okay. I, I can't even remember that far back. Um, and he just put in a word for me. He said, hey, if I'm going to be coming up from the Carolinas, uh, is there any way you could maybe book my partner and, you know, help me with the drive? You can help me with the drive a little bit and all that kind of stuff. And they said, yeah, you know, send us some, uh, send us some footage of him. You know, they liked what they saw and, you know, it was all through Walters that, uh, you know, he got me, uh, he got me looked at and they, uh, put me in there with Robert Anthony from, uh, first match, who's, uh, you know, an incredible talent. And, uh, but it was still like sink or swim, you know, you go out there and you have to produce and thank God we produced. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so that, that, that's it. And I mean, jumping ahead a little bit too, uh, you know, like, even in when it came to getting to places like England and Europe and uh, places like that, again, that's all Walters. Uh, Walters is saying, "Hey, you guys should bring this guy over. You should look, take a look at him." And you know, he's always been one of the first guys to go out and stick his neck out for me. Man, I tell you, it's the you're the Southern Segway today because that's perfect. That's a perfect jumping off point because yeah. I was gonna, I was gonna ask you so like you've you've worked now at this point like so like a more than a few years in the states. You've gotten used to those kind of those. Um, those drives, those different cities that you're going to, man, you start going overseas. What is that like working professional wrestling over there? Uh, it's a completely different animal because over there it's still considered uh, very much a job, not a hobby. And what I mean by that is six nights a week, uh, especially during the summertime, uh, you know, you're going six, six days, six nights a week. Uh, you might get one day off. The last, the, the seventh day is usually traveling somewhere. Uh, but you're wrestling every single night, sometimes double shots, sometimes triple shots. So uh, I think I did like something ridiculous. Like I did 44 days straight over there, my first tour, and then did like 77 matches straight or something like that. Um, So your mind is just sharp. You know, you go out there and you're doing this every single night, sometimes multiple times a day. And uh, you can't help but get good. I mean, it's like through repetition and, uh, you know, it's just, uh, it's just, you know, it's really like the dream. It's so much fun just to go out there every single night and, uh, perform. Man, and, how, uh, how, how do you stay like, I mean, like when you're working that many, like if you're doing a, a triple shot and everything, like how are, like, I don't know, how are you staying like not, I, I'm going to, for lack of a better phrase, not sore all the time. How do you stay in good conditioning? Like just body wise? Uh, it's, it's just hard. I mean, it, it is hard, but that's where, you know, you gotta be smart about things. You know, you wouldn't necessarily go out there and have like a five star, you know, get everything in, uh, that in your arsenal or whatever your move set or whatever people call it. Like you don't go out there and you do, you don't do every single thing, every single match. Like you find ways to say, you know, okay, well, you know, we can do that, but also remember we got another match later on today or whatever. And, you know, you just got to be smart, man. That's what it all boils down to, you know. Yeah, I mean, that's – because that, that's – man, I mean, I'm – especially, like, you know, when you're talking about, like, the – got like – because how, how how big are you, John? Like, just height and weight-wise? Like, you're about – I'm around 5'9", five, 5'10", five, with boots on. And then uh, floating right now between two, 
210 and 215. I mean, man, I mean, that's, I mean, even still, like, the, the, when you get back to counting the bumps, like, I mean, that's that's a hell of a thing to be able to keep pulling that off day in and day out. And you said you did it for how many days overseas? Like, how many days straight? Like, what it was, was something it? like uh, like 44 or 45 days, maybe. Jesus. Um, man, like, I was over there, I was over there the first time for 12 weeks. Gotcha. Uh, and I lived over there and, uh, you know, traveled with the guys over there, worked uh, work guys. Uh, the particular company I was working for was called uh, All Star Wrestling. It's a guy named Brian Dixon. He's actually been running for forty plus years. Wow! So he's the second longest running wrestling promoter in the in the world behind Vince McMahon, uh, and he's been doing this for quite a while. Uh, but he brings in Americans. He obviously uses people from Europe, and then he also brings in guys from Mexico, Japan. Um, all over. So you get to wrestle and learn all these different styles. It's almost like, uh, in a way, if you can relate it to school, it's like summer reading. (laughs) (laughs) Because you go over there and, you know, you get to work all these styles and learn. And, you know, you just become, you come back and you're just so crisp and good and at the top of, tip-top shape and at the top of your game. So, man, finally, the big one, like, NXT. All right, so you're you've done overseas now. You've done Resistance Pro. You've hit up a ton of indies. You're still doing them when you can. How does NXT happen for you? Well, uh, again, it goes back to my good friend Stephen Walters. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, uh, I think he was the one that kind of put in a word uh, to whoever, and I really don't know, you know, who he put in the word with or or to. Uh, but me and Corey were going to be in Florida for an independent show uh, the same weekend they were taping TV. And uh, out of the blue one day, you know, Walters, you know, uh, texted me and Corey both and he said, hey, I need you guys to send some pictures and some and a resume uh, to me as soon as you can. And we both did. And then literally that day, uh 10, 15 minutes later, we get an email from the office that says, hey, can you guys come down to do the NXT TVs at Full Sail? Wow. And we're like, well, hell yeah. Sure. <laughs> and, uh, and past that, I mean, this, uh, you know, we did the one shot in October, and that was the first time we had done the TVs down there. It was October. Uh, we, we did those, and then me and Corey both actually got called last minute to do Raw and SmackDowns uh, in November where we were actually uh, druids for The Undertaker and Kane, which is incredible. Like, that's another crazy story. But uh, we were doing, I believe it was Monday Night Raw in Greenville, and SmackDown was in Knoxville, Tennessee, and we got to Knoxville, and the way that the the, the extra work that works whenever you're doing stuff with Raw and SmackDown is you typically don't get to do anything Monday Night Raw day. You just kind of sit around and wait and find out if you're on the show or if you're doing anything. Yeah. And then SmackDown days, uh, before the doors open, when they get the ring set up, that's when they do tryout matches for you know the extras or the guys that are there trying out. Uh, and then sometimes I think they've gotten away from it recently, but they, would use, they used to take you to the promo room Make you cut promos. Oh, it's awesome. See if you can talk. Oh, that's and, cool. Uh, and so, yeah. Uh, so, I digress. But we got <laughs> there to Knoxville, and the ring was set up. I think me and Corey were stretching out because I think we were going to wrestle each other in our tryout match. And uh, 
uh, again, somebody from the office. Uh, actually, it was the one of the writers from NXT, I believe. I might be wrong about that. Anyway, some of the one of the office people came up to us and they said, uh, "Hey, can you guys?" Or actually, they came to me uh, solo first, and he was like, "Hey, John, can you be in Florida um, Thursday for NXT?" And I said, "Yeah, sure." And he goes, "Really?" <laughs> and I go, "Yeah." <laughs> and he goes, "Cool. I'll send you all the info. Uh, you know, here in a little while." Uh, and I was like, all right, sweet. So I went back uh, to where Corey was, where he was stretching out. And I said, hey, you need to go see so-and-so right now. <laughs> and he was like, why? I go, because I just got booked for NXT again. And he goes, oh, crap. Okay, so Corey runs over and he talks to the person that had approached me. And, uh, you know, lo and behold, we got we both got booked again. And that's when we wrestled Enzo and, uh, and Big Cass. And then past that, man, literally it was any time um, – you know, thank, thanks, thankfully, and knock on wood, you know, uh, past couple months, it's just, you know, been a regular thing. They, they hit us up every single month and say, hey, can you come? Uh, can you come do this? And, uh, you know, it's led us to do things like uh, we got to be a part of the UCF taping it's in Central Florida, the, the weekend of the Royal Rumble, which was in a huge arena. Uh, and, uh, you know, we got to do WrestleMania Access and, do all sorts of cool things like that. They put us on live events recently, uh, some of the house shows, and those have been fun. And uh, I mean, really, it's just incredible, dude. Yeah, because one thing on our on our podcast, man, we we're like we're we're looking we're at Undertaker, we're a booger red Undertaker right now, which is probably my most my most favorite version of the Undertaker is just when it just got to be you know a guy on a bike just doing his thing, and it was great. What yeah. right? Tell me, man, if how much I don't know how much you can go into about it, but what was it like getting to be a druid for the Undertaker? Uh, it was cool, man. Uh, we did a segment on Raw where we came out with Undertaker and Kane, and this was in the middle of the height of their feud with the Wyatt family, yeah. and uh, leading into Survivor Series. I think this might have been the week of Survivor Series, and. Uh, we got to do the deal where uh, the lights went out, the Wyatts were on the stage, the lights go out again, and we got the sheet mask on, and uh, we all hit the ring on Undertaker and Kane, and they beat the hell out of us. And Again, that's just one of those moments where the inner child in me is going like, holy cow, I'm in the ring, and I'm getting pitched out by the Undertaker. <laughs> Like, what did I do to get here? <laughs> Dude, that's awesome. You know? I mean, yeah, that is... Uh, very, very crazy and surreal. And uh, Especially, like, it's 25 years at that point, right? Like, that was right at the mark for... Um, 25 years? Yeah, yeah, damn it, dude. That is... That's some cool stuff. Did you, like... Like, did... I mean, did you, did you get to talk to him at all? Did you speak to him backstage at all? Or was it just, like, I do yeah. this and that's it? Or uh, Very briefly. Yeah. I mean, we got to briefly talk to, 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 to all those guys because, I mean, you know, uh, we ran through it a couple times in, in rehearsals and stuff like that. And, you know, especially with Raw, because Raw is live, they want to make sure everything is, you know, down to the T and everything is times out right and all that kind of stuff. So we actually did it a couple times. But, uh, yeah, man, it was just, uh, it was crazy getting in there with Undertaker <laughs> and, and Kane. And, uh, you know, because you know, you know, that their the careers are on the back end now. Um, I don't think there's any secret. And uh, right. 
But other thing that me and Corey and a couple of the other guys were talking about, we were like, all right, so if we're the Druids and we just turned on the Undertaker and Kane, we might be the last Druids there ever are. Oh, that's a good point. Because <laughs> if they stick with the storyline here, brother, uh, <laughs> you know, why would the Druids ever come back for Undertaker and Kane? But, you know, who knows? Uh, and if it's if uh, what I'm hearing is correct, you know, like, you know, Taker and Kane, you know, are probably winding down soon. So mm -hmm. if that's the case, I think we might have been the last Druids ever in WWE. That'd be awesome. Hey, Glenn, you keep them Druids away from me now, huh? <laughs> I did to us last time. I ain't doing it. Nah, man, that's... I, you know what I also forgot about? Like, back up, back up a couple years. Dude, I remember you got to be a part, like, when Ryback was first coming in, um, and doing and and really building up a lot of the squash matches, man. You got like the I, it was the one in Columbia. Was it a Raw in Columbia that you got to work? It was a SmackDown, Smackdown. in Columbia. Okay. It was me and Michael Freely. Uh, uh, we got to uh, be one of, or two of Ryback's uh, victims in one match, and uh, that was particularly special too because uh, you know me and Freely are both from Columbia, yeah. So that's our hometown, and we went to high school together, and. Uh, not a lot of people, not a lot of people know that, but uh, you know that's super cool for both of us to just be there in Columbia. And recently, like, uh, there's a building here in Columbia that Crockett used to run back in the day. Township, the, hell yeah, yeah, the Township Auditorium, and uh, that's where I saw wrestling for the first time as a kid. Uh, and uh, I can still remember the date, December 30th, 1993. It was a WCW house show. Main event was Rick Rude Invader versus Sting and Road Warrior Hawk, and uh, you know, I remember that was kind of what got me addicted to pro wrestling. And uh, last month, I got to wrestle in that building for NXT. So, I mean, I, I was definitely going to – that was I, – I, I'm so yeah. glad you brought it up near the end because that's when I wanted to bring it up. Because, dude, when you go yeah. back and you kind of like – you know, you you look at everything, and it's not necessarily full circle because you got a lot of mileage to go in your career. Yeah. But, man, dude, to go back and you think like – it was only eight years ago. Things were just starting off. You know, it was it was building rings and then getting into them, taking a couple bumps, and then it's like, I'm actually getting to, you know, I'm actually getting to perform in front of my hometown, like for real, like if for the like for the WWE. That's incredible. That's unreal. Yeah, it really is, man. It's, I mean, it was something too, like. Uh... Uh, not knock on wood, man. You know, like if anything were to happen and it was all to end tomorrow, you know, that's something I can hang my hat on and at least say that I did. It's one off the bucket list. Yeah. And because uh, I thought for the longest time I was sure that WWE would never come back to the township uh, yeah. just because it, they kind of outgrew it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But with NXT launching uh, and, and getting to where NXT is slowly starting to sell out everywhere they go. When I found out that they were coming to the township, I knew I had to be on the show because there had been other instances before where I was supposed to possibly have an opportunity with another company in the township, and that fell through. I've seen I've I've seen some of those shows there. I know which ones you're talking about. It's okay. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, you know, so it was always so discouraging when I thought I was going to be there and get the chance to wrestle in the first building I ever saw wrestling in live as a kid, and then it doesn't happen, and you're just kind of like. Man, this sucks. But it truly, it's uh, it's like the butterfly effect, man. One thing leads to another, and it just wasn't meant to be at that time. And then now, here we are, two, three years later, and something better comes along, and it's NXT, and it's a better opportunity. It's a, it's you know, a night I'll never forget. You know, if I live to be a hundred, uh, you know, it's uh, never have I ever felt more 
appreciate it either than in that night to have my hometown crowd give me the reception that they gave me. So, so. to, so to kind of close it up, we're, two last things. First, where, how does John Schuyler, what does he need to do to get better now? Like, what are the things that you, you think about? Like, all right, this is something I'm, I'm continuously working on specifically with either my character or my ring work. Is, is there anything like that? And then the other is, dude, what is the, what is the favorite match of yours right now? Oh man, those are two loaded questions. Uh, the the first one, uh, you know, how can I get better? Uh, well, and this is going to sound super cliche, and I don't mean it to sound that way, so I, I apologize in advance. But you get better every time you step in the ring. Uh, literally, you're going to learn something every single night you go out of that curtain. Out of that curtain. Uh, for me, I know that in order for me to grow as a performer and to grow more importantly as a person, I have to keep challenging myself. I have to constantly come up with new goals, new challenges. And I mean, last year I made a list of goals and I posted them right there on the refrigerator. And I said, this is, these are the things I want to have done by the end of the year. And, you know, did I do everything? No, I didn't. Uh, do I consider myself a failure? No, no, I don't. Uh, because I was able to make, and create challenges for myself that led me to places like wrestling in Asia and China and Hong Kong and Singapore, and, you know, all over, all over the world and, and doing the things with NXT. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's just incredible. So I think for me to grow as a performer and as a person to get better, truly what it is, is about is new challenges. What, what, what are some new obstacles that I can overcome to, to help me, uh, to help me grow, uh, uh, and the second part, if I had to pick a favorite match, yeah. uh, there's a lot of them. Uh, so I'll try to narrow it down. Uh, definitely at the top of the list is the one I just talked about uh, from the township uh, where I got to wrestle a guy named Riddick Moss from NXT. Uh, you know, just because of the setting uh, and the match was, you know, the match was good. Uh, very, very good. And then, uh, you know, it's just more so everything else that makes it a favorite of mine, you know, being in the hometown. It's like the Cinderella story where, you know, finally one of the, you know, one of the hometown kids has grown up and he gets to come back and live his dream. So that's, you know, you don't really write a better story than that. Uh, but uh, uh, I had a series of matches with Cedric Alexander uh, here at uh, Russell Force in South Carolina that I hold near and dear to my heart because we did a series of time limit draws, which are some things that are kind of archaic these days because, yeah. again, society just moves so quickly. Uh, we, were, we were able to do, like, a 30-minute draw, and then we did five more minutes, so it was a 35-minute draw. And then we came back with a rematch that was a 45-minute time limit where we did a 45-minute draw. Damn. And then we came back with a match that was no time limits that uh, where we went 12 minutes. And, uh <laughs> You know, it's just stuff to be able to create things like that. And, uh, you know, the matches with Cedric were always fun. Uh, there's been a lot of stuff I've done here lately at, at PWX North Carolina. We created a group called The Experience. Uh, that's myself, Gunner, Corey Hollis, Adam Page, and Steve Carino is our manager. Uh, that's just been, holy crap. That's just <laughs> that been sounds so awesome. Much fun. Yeah. Uh, because it's just, uh, you know, and it's funny because people come up to us and they say, you know, like, we really like what you guys are doing there and, or what they're doing with you guys. And it's, they're not doing anything with us. We're just going, we're literally every promo we've done has been in one take because we just, 
turn ourselves way up and we just re- react and interact the way we would in real life. Yeah. It's just who we are. And uh, I got a big match coming up May the 20s, May the 21st, the day before OSCW against Zach Sabre Jr., who's legitimately one of the best junior weights in the world right now from England. Yeah. And I'm defending the PWX World Heavyweight title against him. And, I mean, that's going to go right up there too just because, I mean – yeah, yeah, it's gonna be nuts, and uh, I'm, I can't wait for it. Um, but you know, there's a, there's a ton of them. The match with Ryback was cool. You know, uh, I'm sure I'm. I know I'm leaving people off, and I don't mean to. Me and Stephen Walters wrestled each other about five thousand times. <laughs> uh, and then there was a six man tag we did in Europe that was particularly good uh, with me and damn, I can't even remember who was in it now. I just remember it was really good. I know I, I'm gonna have to go back and look it up now. Now I feel bad, but that's no. what that's what wrestling gets you is all these memories. And well, the other thing a I was fuzzy details. I was gonna ask you is like when you when you're working that many promotions at once, is it hard to keep inventory of what titles you have? Uh, titles, yeah, no, not really. But like you know, it's uh, I write everything down. Uh, I've got a notebook where I've kept a journal entry literally since my first match. So every single match that I've ever had is written down in a notebook. Uh, the town, the person, the promotion, the match number, the outcome, the uh, you know, all that stuff is uh, any kind of specialty things about it, whether there was a special referee, who was it, you know, special ring announcer, who was it, uh, what did the crowd do, you know, just weird stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, it all does tend to run together because <laughs> there'll be times when like I'll think of maybe a spot or an idea or a finish and I will literally take it and wear it out everywhere I go uh, around the loop uh, for the for two, three months and we'll get back to where, you know, the point where it originated, the first town and I'll go to pitch it again. So I'll be like, you literally did that last time you were here. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, oh yeah. This is where uh, this is where I came up with that. <laughs> so yeah, things like that run together. But uh, I'm sure it also it goes without saying. Like when you're talking about like you know just more matches, it's just like and it's just like writing. If you want to be a better writer, keep writing. The more you yeah. write, the be- and more if you want to be a better filmmaker, watch more movies. Yeah. I bet it just also goes without saying. Like when you're down in that environment, like I mean, you're just a sponge on everybody, yeah. just learning constantly, yeah. just watching people, and it must be incredible just just for that alone, just to be able to absorb all that. Yeah, yeah, and uh, real quick, uh, I I remember the six man tag. It okay. was me, a uh, guy by the name of Nathan Cruz, who's from England, uh, a wrestler from Michinoku Pro in Japan, and Kenbai. And we wrestled the Bravado Brothers and Stephen Walters. And that was the sixth band that I remember just tore the roof off the house there in England. But uh, going back to, to, to what you said, uh, uh, yeah, I've had the, a tremendous opportunity to learn from a lot of people, especially here recently. Uh, uh, going back to England, uh, you know, I've learned from so many guys over there uh, to, to, how to how to adjust and how to wrestle that European style. and. Uh, uh, you know, I learned so much from guys in Asia, and then also uh, even here. I mean, here locally, you got you know, like I said, Steve Carino, who's managing me now in certain areas. I've learned a lot from him. I've learned a lot from Bob. I learned a lot from Lodi. I learned a lot from C.W. Anderson, uh, Chris Hamrick, uh, uh, tons of guys. Tommy Dreamer. Um, 
but then also getting a chance to work with a lot of these coaches at NXT. Uh, you know, your Matt Blooms, your Norman Smiley's, uh, Adam Pierce, Robert Brookside, William Regal. Uh, getting to work with these guys on a regular basis has done nothing but help. You know, help as well. Yeah, that's yeah, and I mean, that's one thing. Like I, I know from the first couple of times we've we've talked back before there was even the Resistance Pro and stuff. It's like you know, you're a student of the game. That's what you have to be to get better is to be the ultimate student. And it's no pun towards Triple H. All it's really truly being the the best student of the game. That's how you're going to keep you know doing what you're doing and everything. And that's. That township thing is the coolest, man. Because I remember when you posted that, I was like, I, I, I had to kind of mark out on the inside. Because I was like, dude, that's that's the greatest thing ever to be able to, uh, to work in your in your hometown like that, like where you grew up, you know, where you've seen matches before. That's unreal. Like it's, uh, can't say enough about it, man. But uh, it kind of brings it. I mean, that that kind of brings it all to a close, at least for now, man. With it, um, when's your all right? So you said you're working, you're working Zack Saber Junior. real qu- uh, soon again. Have you are you working at? I, and you were obviously on NXT. This is recording on a Thursday. You were on last night. Um, yeah. Do you have a? Are you already going back to to Florida again next month or? Uh, we'll see. Uh, right now, there's some changes going on. There's uh, you know, a couple things that are projects that are in the works right now. Okay. Uh, with things that are going on down there, and it's always uh, everything's always changing. So, yeah. uh, you know, you never say never. Obviously, and that's also a cliche. No. But, uh, but uh, no, I, I got a lot of stuff coming up. I'm going to be a very very busy man this uh, this summer, which is good. Uh, nothing. Nothing uh, in writing yet to go back overseas just yet, but uh, there might be some things in the works for that too. Uh, uh, but uh, uh, yeah, coming up, uh, you know, we were on NXT last night against American Alpha, so I encourage anybody that has the WWE Network to go ahead and watch it. Uh, uh, if you're gonna, if this is gonna air at a later date, uh, it's I believe the May 11th episode because this is May the 12th. No. So, or this is being filmed May the 12th. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know when it'll air, but uh, yeah. So just, uh, yeah, go check out the May 11th episode of NXT where myself and Corey Hollis wrestled the American Alpha. And then, uh, yeah, coming up, it's actually next weekend. Uh, I'll be competing in uh, PWF, which is Steve Carino's promotion uh, in North Carolina. Uh, me, him, and C.W. Anderson have reunited as the Extreme Horsemen. Uh and we're going to be in a six-man tag team tournament to crown his first ever six-man tag team champions. That's cool. And that is on the 20th. The very next day, I'll defend the PWX World Heavyweight Championship against Zack Sabre Jr. And the very cool thing about that is when I say it's the PWX World Heavyweight title, uh, it's actually when I went to Asia and Europe and stuff, I took it with me and defended it. So it actually is a legitimate world championship. <laughs> That's a awesome. Lot of promotions, a lot of promotions like to say, you know, I got a world heavyweight champion and they don't ever leave, you know, Georgia you know, <laughs> or whatever the case may be. So, yes, and it's cool to defend it against Zach, somebody from England. That's, I guess he's one of the top junior heavyweights in the world right now. And then the very next day after that, May the 22nd, I'll be back at OSCW. Uh which will be fun. And then me and Corey also have a lot of good stuff coming up as, as a tag team. You know, we just won the resistance pro tag team titles, uh, in Chicago. So we'll be going back there in July. We're also, uh, wrestling the IWGP tag team champions from Japan, Tama Tonga and 
the artist formerly known as Camacho from WWE. Oh, okay. The gorillas, the gorillas of destiny, the, they're members of the Bullet Club. Me and Corey will be wrestling them coming up in Georgia this summer too, so I know we're very much looking forward to that yeah. as well. Because, uh, you know, I just another real quick side note: Corey got to wrestle AJ Styles in AJ Styles' last independent match, maybe ever. Oh wow! And that was against Corey. Uh, it was after AJ debuted at the Rumble and everything. He, got, he had one more independent commitment to make. And it was against Corey Hollis, my tag team partner now. Wow, Jesus. And, yeah, and I got to wrestle Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows last year. So. Oh damn, man! Yeah, I I remember when, <laughs> I remember when Gallows was uh he had done the OS he had done the OSCW and then yeah. the um that shot in Columbia too that uh, that awesome outdoor show I absolutely love that outdoor show I'll never forget yeah, that the legal lottery yeah man that thing was great but yeah so. Between me and Corey, uh, you know, uh, we've kind of all just about wrestled everybody there is to wrestle in the Bullet Club now. So uh, <laughs> it's kind of cool to wrestle one of the wrestling's hottest acts at the moment. So, um, so yeah, that'll be fun. We got a lot of stuff coming up this summer, man, that I'm excited about. And with NXT taking off like it is, and uh, that opening a lot of doors for us, not only at NXT but you know several other places everywhere, man. We're both just uh, we're just we're just blessed to be a part of everything and uh, get the chance to, to perform really. Now it's important. You're at uh, where are you at on Twitter? I'm at uh, on Twitter. People can follow me. It's at the John Skyler, and Skyler is spelled S K Y L E R. There's a lot of eight. Why people always misspell it? But it's L E R. It's not that hard. <laughs> but uh, I also have a Facebook fan page. If they search the Southern Savior, John Schuyler, S-K-Y-L-E-R, <laughs> they can find me on Facebook and Instagram and stuff like that. YouTube, it's all the same thing. I got a YouTube channel up where people can check out some of my matches and, cool. and promos and a bunch of cool stuff on there. And uh, Yeah, I think that's about it as the- far as social media goes. So- I got a pro wrestling tease store too. I really especially the Trample the Week Preach the Truth t-shirt, which is a hot seller. So, Dude, what you're, does yours, like, right, so with you being in a position you're in, just just popped in my head real quick. When you're on NXT and it's going on, does your Twitter just explode? Uh, yeah, but a lot of times, for whatever reason, people will, uh, and I just figured this out because Corey is, uh, I think, a little bit more tech-savvy than I am, uh, you know, he's taught me the way where you can search your name on Twitter and you can see all the tweets that you've been mentioned in without actually mentioning your Twitch, uh, without them actually mentioning your Twitter handle. Yeah. So, oh. like, if I type in and search like John Skyler NXT, uh, I can read everything that comes up, and uh, that's it's usually more stuff like that. Like, it will blow up here and there where people actually do mention me. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that's cool, um, but. Uh, yeah, just so people know, I actually do read a lot of the tweets that are uh, <laughs> tweeted about me. So uh, <laughs> keep them keep them clean and keep them nice, please. We like we like positive positive things. Right, right. Well, man, can't thank you enough for uh, for coming on and everything. And I, of course, man, I I always love just being able to keep up with you and see where you're at because it's it's really a treat to watch at least just from the outside because. You know, it's it's not often you really do get to see somebody keep like keep moving up, man. Find a summit, then keep going up the mountain a little bit more. You know, 
So that's pretty hey, cool. Hey, man, thank you. Thank you for having me on, and thank you for continuing to want to have me in all aspects <laughs> of your journalistic career. Uh, uh, I appreciate all the coverage, and, you know, anytime somebody wants to help me spread the good word of not only what I'm doing, but independent pro wrestling, the thing I love and hold near and dear to my heart, you know, it's always a, a win-win situation. Cool. Well, right on, man. I appreciate it. Hey, man, thank you. All right. All right, guys, and there it is, all the news that is fit to print. Uh, great interview. I'm so appreciative for John uh, coming on the show and everything and talking to us about, you know, somebody who's on the rise here in uh, professional wrestling here in 2016. It's really cool to be able to, again, watch somebody, you know, in their progress and everything going from where I saw him in a, a hair versus career match in 2012 to now being on the verge of being in um, at the highest level in professional wrestling. So, uh, thanks a lot, guys, for hitting the download and subscribing once again. Keep in mind, we're on Twitter at New Blood Pod, Facebook, New Blood Rising Podcast, and through Gmail, New Blood Rising Pod at gmail.com. Our next episode, we're getting back to uh, our bread and butter. We're going to be looking at No Mercy 2001, me, Jason Keesler, Charlie Stabile, and Martin Dixon. So we will see you guys on, it'll, we'll be recording it Sunday. I'm hoping it drops Sunday night, but if it doesn't, it'll be there in time for you on Monday and everything. So thanks a lot for hitting download guys and have a good one.